0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, at some point, you may have experienced thoughts or maybe even a season of doubt. And with doubt can come a lot of other things, even with doubt can come guilt, where even just by doubting, by doubting whether, you know, is the Bible really true or is... Is what God's saying really real, or maybe it's just doubting, is God really good? Is God really going to keep his promises? When you might start to think things like that, you might then start to just feel guilty and think, well, man, if I am ever feeling that way or thinking those thoughts, there must be something really wrong with me. Well, today we want to consider doubt and look at a pretty prominent example of doubt in the Bible, uh, but also consider how we should respond to doubt. So let's look at Luke chapter 7 verses 18 through 23. And here we're going to see a moment of doubt from John the Baptist. It says in verse 18, the disciples of John reported all these things to him and John calling two of his disciples to him, sent him to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And so he sends men to Jesus to basically say, are you the Messiah or did we get this wrong? And consider John the Baptist, consider the strong words with which he spoke, consider just the power of his ministry and his humility. And now you're seeing him have this moment of doubt to even send men to ask Jesus, are you the one? Or Did I get that wrong when I was saying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? And so as we consider that, first, let's just think about doubt for a second. And when you experience doubt and then maybe you start getting down on yourself, I can't believe I'm experiencing doubt. That must mean I'm so lame. Well, John the Baptist experienced doubt and you are not alone In experiencing doubt. So I hope that's one thing, just kind of upfront, that maybe will encourage you that that when you go through a season of doubt, you shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm alone. Oh, I must be so horrible to ever uh, have any thoughts like this. Um, Because even John the Baptist, one of the heroes of the Bible, experienced that moment. And we could go on as we read through the Bible, we will see others that experience uh, some difficult moments. But that's not the point. It's not just, well, hey, next time you doubt, don't worry about it. John the Baptist did too. You're fine. No, there's a way we should respond. And let's look at how Jesus responds to John the Baptist. And even that can help us instruct ourselves as to how to respond to ourselves. And so as we look at this and we think about this, look at Jesus as he responds. Uh, responds. It says, as they come and ask the question, verse 31, it says, in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight and he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen. And heard the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So he says, go back and tell John all the things that you have seen. And and we could dig in, you know, even just to Old Testament prophecy. And and it's clear in Jesus's response, he is saying, no, John, I am the one. Look at what I am doing. And so we need to consider, as we experience doubt, that's instructive as to how we should respond to ourselves. And that's unfortunate. Lots of times when we experience doubt, we just kind of go down this rabbit hole then of guilt and and just feeling bad that we even have the, the feelings of doubt, that we don't really respond to the way Jesus does here. That when we have doubt about the goodness of God or doubts about the gospel or, or start to wonder, you know, is the Bible true? Uh, th- there is a way to respond to that. And that's by coming back to talking to ourselves, really, instead of listening to our feelings of doubt, but coming back and saying, no, I know that God is good. I know that God keeps his promises and giving those examples, or I know, I know that the Bible is true uh, because of this. And I I see the testimony that it has in and of itself. And I know um, just some of the history relating to the Bible and and how it works together. We need to talk back to our doubt. So to kind of sum up here about doubt, when you experience doubt, we don't need to just go down the rabbit hole of, well, then I must be some horrible person and all of this. No, there's many that have experienced that as well, but uh, we need to realize, hey, that, that, that doesn't mean we should just feel okay about our doubt. No, we should talk back to it. And we should talk back with the truth about who Jesus is, what the Bible is, or the character of God. And we need to do that instead of just letting our feelings or our doubt, or then the guilt maybe we experience because of our doubt, rule the day. And hopefully that's something we can learn from this brief episode with Jesus and John the Baptist. And we should run to prayer in these times. In Psalm 86, we see kind of a good example. It doesn't seem that it's necessarily doubt per se that the psalmist is experiencing that David is experiencing here, but he does seem in a tough time. He is coming to God as we saw yesterday talking about how he is poor and needy and he's crying out to God to answer him, but then look at where he goes. It seems like he is talking back to to his doubts. He is reminding himself of what is true. Verse eight, there is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. And so we see him just coming back to the majesty of God, the character of God, and praising God for those things. And then I love some of the prayers that he makes here in verses 11 um, through 13, where he says, "'Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. "'Unite my heart to fear your name. "'I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart.'" And I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love for me. And you have delivered my heart, my soul from the depths of Sheol. And so there we see, we all have this temptation to be somewhat divided in our thinking. And I think doubt is one of those examples, right? Where we're, we're tempted to be divided in our thinking of, of entertaining doubts as to what we know to be true. And I love just some of the phrases here where he asks God to unite my heart. And even commits that I will give thanks to you with my whole heart. So that's a good prayer for us to pray in in times where we're struggling or times where we're doubting to say, God, unite my heart Uh, with my flesh. uh, There's always that temptation for my heart to start to be divided or my thinking to be divided. No, God help me to be united. And, And even that prayer comes after he reminds himself of the truth that there is no one like God. So I think this is also instructive and how do we respond to doubt or struggle? Well, we go to God in prayer and even part of that prayer is just worshiping God for what we know to be true about him and then kind of following it up with God, unite my heart to really believe all of that. Help me not to be divided in my thinking or divided in my heart about any of these things, but give me a whole heart, a united heart to worship you and to serve you. And if we want to just, again, consider God and who he is, well, that helps us go back now to Second Chronicles 5 and 6 as we see now kind of the dedication of the temple. Uh, as we see the ark being brought in and everything being done, and then the musicians come and they play and they sing in praise to God for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house. The God responds when his people worship him. And there, I think also instructive. I wouldn't expect some cloud to fall, but when you are struggling with that doubt, come and worship the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And I think that's when we worship, that's when we're going to see God. We're going to see God work in our own hearts to unite our heart, to give us that whole heart. And then again, we see majestic language from Solomon in chapter six, as he prays, to God, starting in verse 14, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart, who have kept with your servant David my father what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth, and with your hand you have fulfilled it this day. So he just praises God for his majesty. And then praises God for keeping his promise to his father. And so, so much that we should see about God, that we should bring our hearts back to even when we're struggling or even when we're doubting. So again, if you're struggling or doubting, you're not alone in that, but that shouldn't just make us feel okay in that and just say, okay, well then no big deal. No, we need to then move on to talk back to those struggles, to talk back to those doubts. Well, let's wrap up today in Ephesians chapter 4. And here's a shift in the book of Ephesians. Uh, This one is really neat, kind of three chapters and then three chapters where often it's talked about the first three chapters are more about doctrine and then the the last three are more about duty. Now it gets into practical application and you can see that kind of in verse 1 saying, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And so we just consider that this great gospel that has been explained in just some of the majestic language that's been used in chapters one through three. And now he says, no, walk in a manner worthy. And what does that look like? We, We see some of that, even just with what he gets onto in verse two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Notice how even it starts there. Saying, hey, if you're going to walk in a manner worthy, it's going to start with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So consider that even in your own lives today. You want to walk worthy? Even just look at some of the relationships around you. Are you being gentle? Are you being patient? Are you being eager to preserve unity uh, of the spirit in the bond of peace And then we see how the body then, as we live that way, works together. Towards the end of this section, every part of the body is essential to help the body grow. And part of that is speaking the truth in love. But notice, well, we can't speak the truth in love. That's not going to work out well, and the body's not going to work together well if it doesn't kind of start with, hey, we're starting with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love love and may that be true in our lives in our homes and in our churches but again to sum up today even as we we think about doubt if you experience doubt or you struggle sometimes you are not alone in that but that doesn't just make it okay or or don't worry about it no let's respond by reminding ourselves of the truth and looking at God looking at his character looking at his promises and digging into those today